Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hi, and welcome back to the show. On today's show, I'm very excited to be interviewing Tom Karadza. Tom and his brother, Nick Karadza, are the co-founders of Rockstar Real Estate Brokerage out in Oakville. And Tom and Nick help their clients to invest in real estate all around the Golden Horseshoe. And so I talked to Tom today in this interview about his uh, history and how he got started in real estate. An interesting story. He was frustrated in his career and he kind of started investing in real estate out of that frustration. Ended up being very successful and and good at it and uh, turned it into a full-time career, left his corporate world job. And now him and uh, his brother Nick they help other investors to um, sort of follow their dreams and, as they like to put it, live life on their terms through real estate investing. And so we talked about uh, his first deal and the lessons he learned from that, talked about common mistakes and things that first-time investors uh, sometimes fall into. We talked about why so many people think and talk about investing in real estate, sometimes for years and years and years, but they never actually uh take that first step and buy that first property. And we talked about why that is and how people can overcome that. And we talked about the real estate market in general and interest rates, where they are likely to be headed. That seems to always be a popular topic. And Tom has a great take on the subject of interest rates. So we talked about that. So for all the show notes on this episode, uh, links to Rockstar Real Estate and, and more information about what those guys are doing there in Oakville, you can go to truecondos.com forward slash rockstar and get all the links there. So without further delay, let's get to the interview here with Tom Carazza. Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Tom Karadza. Tom is the co-founder, along with his brother Nick, of Rockstar Real Estate. Tom, welcome to the show. Andrew, I am pumped to be here. Great. Very excited to be here, too. Uh, we're sitting here in your Oakville offices. Why don't you tell everybody where that is if they want to come and find you? Sure. We're right across from the Oakville GO train station on uh, Trafalgar and uh, the QEW is the big intersection. Awesome. How, how, um, why don't we start, how do you get started in real estate? What, what's your sort of journey into this world? Wow. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know we were going that far back. It's a great question. I think I read, it might've been Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, if I really had to, to nail it down to a book, it might've been Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then we took some of these real estate conferences, you know, the ones that roll into town and teach you how to be a millionaire overnight. Right. We spent money on some of those conferences. <laughs> okay. We did not become a millionaire <laughs> overnight, but we learned this idea of real estate. And then Nick at the age of 21 flipped his first property. He went out blind after one of these courses that we took he went out and just decided he was going to flip a property so he bought a two-bedroom home in mississauga which we now know never buy a two-bedroom home because they don't sell very right. easily <laughs> in the suburbs <laughs> two-bedroom is not the way yeah. to go and he he made me dig up the side of the house with him because i had a water leak and he didn't have money to hire a waterproofing company so we hand dug it a whole bit got my father involved so he flipped that and then i, I was 26 at the time and i bought a student rental property by mcmaster university so i think it was the book and some conferences and we began kind of naively 
into this world of real estate. Okay, let's let's go back and talk about you specifically your your first property, your your first foray into the market. A little bit, like where was it? How much did it cost? What do the numbers yeah, look like? Was it, was it a flip? Was it a buy first, and hold? First one for me was a student rental by Mc, right outside McMaster. We bought it for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which we are now convinced we overpaid for it because the gentleman we bought it from. Uh, he bought it in the 1970s for 21000 He never paid off his mortgage. He just made interest-only payments on this property. <laughs> and we bought it from, I, I, I guess it would be late 90s or, or the year 2000, some, somewhere around there. Um, okay. And uh, 250000 it's, it's seven bedrooms. We rented wow. it out to students, and we made a huge mistake because although the numbers on the property made it cash flow positive really nicely, the property, the state of the property inside was so decrepit that we had to spend about $20,000 that we had to scrape together from everywhere to make the bathroom safe. Um, you know, that it was, it was just, he had electrical cords hanging from the ceilings going right next to the shower. Wow. It was just a disaster. So we, yeah. it was a lesson to us and never look at a property just by the numbers. You actually do need to look at the property itself. Right. It, it <laughs> matters, you know? Yeah. So uh, that was the first one, 250,000. And it was like a, a big deal for us and it freaked out. I remember cutting the grass and having tenants look at me through the windows and being petrified that, you know, do I have to go and speak right. to my tenants? Am I doing this right? Am I doing <laughs> this right? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, why are they looking at me? <laughs> no. So, yeah, we were scared and didn't really have a clue, but, you know. Okay. So what happened with that property? You still own it? We still you, own it. Yeah. Oh, we don't you like, still own it. Wow. Still own it. Don't like selling properties. Great. Well, um, we definitely share that in common. You know, I always tell my clients to buy and hold is, yeah. the, is the best way to generate wealth. You start flipping properties, you, you can make a few dollars here and there, but if you want to actually generate wealth, you got to buy and hold. I think that advice is so good because, you know, flipping is income, holding properties is wealth. You know, it's kind of the way we break it down. And a lot of my friends, my personal friends over the years have always said, well, the real estate bubble is about to burst. Yep. And I always say, I don't, I've learned through our family. So our family has a longer history in real estate. Our parents uh, were flipping properties in the late 80s and we lost a lot of money in 1990 in Toronto. So we've seen the bad times in real estate. And I always tell everyone, I'm not trying to time the market. I don't know if it's going to burst tomorrow. I want to survive. Like I want right. to <laughs> survive so that when the bubble does burst, I'm still standing because I know what goes up must come down and I just need to, to survive through those periods. And that's where the big money is made. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to time time some, some magical crystal ball market. You know? Right. So what, what were the big lessons you learned from that first property? It seems like everybody I've talked to who that, that first property, when you get into the investment game, like you mentioned a little bit already, you always make some mistakes. You always have some screw ups that you never do again. What were the, you mentioned that never buy a property just based on the numbers, but what else mm -hmm. did you learn from that particular one. I mean, I guess it was pretty good because you, you held on to it. You still, you're still holding it today. So it must be a yeah. fundamentally a pretty good property still. Yeah. I think we learned, um, looking back at that property after comparing it to other purchases that when a property generates more income than the expenses on it, or at least breaks even, um, it's a really easy thing to hang on to. Um, after that property, uh, we, we looked at other properties that, that didn't pay for themselves and, that first property taught us that uh, if a property produces more income than the expenses on it, it leaves you in a really nice position because if you have repairs and, and maintenance, you can you can afford them. And mm -hmm. uh, that made our investing life difficult because it was hard to it's, it's hard to find properties in all markets that kind of pay for themselves. So 
I think that's the biggest lesson. And to have systems. Uh, we had tenants calling us at all times of the day initially, and we realized we had to create systems around how we dealt with tenants and how we filled vacancies. Otherwise, <coughs> our lives were going to be a miserable mess yeah. <laughs> with, with real estate. Because so, yeah, you jumped right into a seven-bedroom property. Yeah. So you, yeah. you, had, you went from having no tenants and no experience to having seven tenants mm -hmm. overnight. Which with is parents. Only, it's just, with, and seven <laughs> tenants' parents, which is a huge, huge jump to mm -hmm. make. As a 21-year-old, so my brother was 21 and I was 26. So yeah, it was it was it was a big jump. Looking back, it was a, it was a little crazy maybe, but we but you know through that it's like anything you throw yourself in and you yeah. survive through it. We learned a ton. We'd have to learn those lessons either at that age or later. So we were we were you know looking back, I'm so happy we. Yeah. So are you, what are you, what are you buying these days? Like for personally, what do you focus on? What types of property uh, did you, are you still big on uh, student rental type properties? Do you still mm -hmm. buy those types of properties? Or are you looking at well, I'll tell you different what, types? Yeah, or? I'll tell you what's going on with um, me personally right now. I actually just sold a student rental by York University that I've owned for 10 years. It's done really well. Um, and I did that. I owed that one with my brother-in-law, so we were kind of partners on, on that one. And, and for various reasons, um, we decided we wanted to sell that one. Mm -hmm. And I'm um, the last one Nick and I purchased was in, here in Oakville. It was a duplex, which just uh, pays for itself. There's like no cash flow on the property at all. Right. And uh, we don't really care because we love the area we're buying in. As long as it pays for itself, we're going to hold it. It's on a big lot, so we might knock it down and build one day. We might just operate it as a long-term rental that pays for itself. Um, but for beginners that we're helping, we try to get them in a property that they're comfortable with. So if they're in, you know, if they're in, if they're in Toronto and they just want a condo, we'll try to give them the best condo that we can find for them. Or if they're looking for a single family home, we'll try to get them a price point that works when they rent it out, that they can cover their costs. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes we, we, we do with other people what we don't do ourselves. We're not in right. it for cash. We're not trying to maximize cash flow anymore. We're trying to kind of consolidate some of our stuff and, and buy them in places where we want them to be. Um, let's talk about your company, Rockstar Real Estate. Uh, how do you help investors today? Like what's, what's your core mission? I guess we, uh, when we started, we felt after you bought the property from a realtor, you got a handshake that said, uh, Real estate never goes down. You'll be fine. And right. we never saw them again. Right. <laughs> so we wanted to be the guys who, um, Andrew, probably like yourself and the way you treat people, we wanted to be the guys who would never go away. Said, you know what? We will teach you how to find a tenant. If you have any problems with your tenant, you can call us. If you need us to go to the landlord tenant board with you and stand by your side, we will. Um, you know, wow. if you need, if you need <laughs> contractors, whatever you need, we will yeah. not leave your side because the easy part is buying the property. The hard part is surviving in real estate long enough to make money. So we right. want to be there that when you need the panic phone call, when you're thinking sell, right. <laughs> we want to take the call that says, Hey, Andrew, just calm down. We're going to get through this together. Here's what you need to do. Right. So that's why we started it. We couldn't find any other people. And there's more of us now that all think the same. I mean, people like yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but we couldn't find people who, who were doing that. And we thought, you know, what, maybe we can offer some value. So um, that's the idea. We want to help people through their real estate. If they've decided real estate's right for them, we want to be by their side through the whole journey. Right. So that really makes what you what you guys are building something very unique compared to traditional real estate brokers or compared to tradi traditional real estate agents. Uh, you're really doing something unique that nobody else is 
is doing. Yeah, it, it is. You're right. I used to deny it and say no, but no, it is. <laughs> it, it, it is. And we've been lucky. We have great people we work with. Um, and, you know, it's fun to see the industry evolve, too, because as I was just mentioning about yourself, there's more of us thinking the same way. And it's really cool. So uh, but it is pretty unique. Most brokerages aren't built with this mindset. You're mm -hmm. right. What's uh, for you? What's the best part about being an entrepreneur? Having um, your own company and, and being an investor. So the best part is time freedom. I, I was in the corporate world in software sales at, at uh, a couple of companies here in Toronto. And uh, I always felt that I was stuck in traffic and I couldn't control my own time. And it was frustrating to me. Um, I think I had read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by that point, And I just thought, this is not right. I, I don't have freedom. And if I map out the next 15 or 20 years of my life, I didn't like where it was headed. So the best part about being an entrepreneur is I now have time freedom. I can go to my daughter's um, you know, she wants me to go to her talent show next week. We go, for the last four summers, uh, Nick and I bought a condo in Croatia on the Adriatic coast. We go there for a month every summer. Um, we're leaving again this year in, in a couple of weeks. So time freedom is, is you just, it's, it's priceless to me. Talk about that tr transition where you went from the corporate world to being an entrepreneur. Um, when do you sort of hit that tipping point where you, you made that jump? And what was it that sort of triggered you to take that? step further because you were you were an investor you mm -hmm. had properties you were you were doing your thing in, in the real estate market and then at some point you said okay i'm going to go into this full time and try to make mm -hmm. a business out of this you know i was reading i think it compounded itself from about maybe 10 years of reading books like think and grow rich and listening to tony robbins personal power um and i always just had this swirling in the back of my head that my future wasn't going to be a corporate nine to five uh, and I didn't know what it would be, but uh, the tipping, the actual event was uh, a sales VP who uh, tore me apart in front of the other regional sales managers for missing my forecast one month. And I came home that night. I went were to. Were you in sales then? Yeah, you were I was. I started in tech okay. support actually. Okay. And I moved over into sales. Okay. And uh, you didn't make your target. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, yeah, that's right. Didn't, so they, didn't, didn't make my target. Yeah. And the reason I didn't make my target that month is because I had, you know, I had done really well the month before um, to help out the company. So I missed <laughs> my target this month. So right. I didn't feel, I felt like I was helping the company with what I was doing. And right. I got ripped apart, didn't think it was right. Came home that night, told my wife, I need to quit. We have this real estate license that I got. Let's try and see, do something with it. And I had a I guess it would be like a four-month-old daughter, a four-year-old son, a mortgage, and my wife at home who wasn't working. So everybody said I was crazy, but uh, that, that did it. I just knew. And so I think uh, about seven months later, I, I quit. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's been a pretty good decision, <laughs> I guess, in the end. Yeah, it's worked out. Yeah, it's worked, <laughs> worked out. out pretty but well you know what? It. I think it was, the, it was the marketing knowledge, right? It was the idea, the getting, understanding how to get the phone to ring or to get people yeah. to, uh, to call us and do want to do business with us. That really was the saving grace. Yeah, you've been a student of real estate investing, but you've also been a big-time student of marketing. Yeah. And, and yeah. That's, been, that's really been the key driver in your success totally. in running your business. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I work, you know, you work with your, your brother and, uh, you just introduced me to your mother as yeah, well, who's yeah, in the office yeah. here. Any, like, what's it like working with family and any, any tips <laughs> or advice for people who are in business with their family? Um, yeah, Nick and I argue every day okay. and, uh, <laughs> but the nice thing about our, you know, arguing with your brother, if there is a nice thing is that we trust each other implicitly. And often after we argue, uh, we forget about what we argued and there's no, no, no grudges held. So we just kind of let it be and we move on. Um, 
So I think it's the trust. You know, we our, our, our mom does a lot of the administrative deal work here. And there's just working with family, it's a lot of trust. And we get to be in all this together. So it's kind of fun. My wife also works here three times uh, a week. Um, Nick's wife does a, a, some, some work on the side for us. So it's, it's just nice to, that the family gets to do this together. I, I think family businesses are, are kind of cool, but I guess I'm biased. that's great that's awesome um why do you think so many people when it comes to real estate investing they think about it they talk about it they read the books they go to the seminars so many people but they 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 don't take that next step they don't ever take action they don't ever buy that Mm -hmm. property it's something they've been thinking about for a long time there seems to be something holding a lot of people back in your experience working with investors for many years what do you think that is and how can how can people get over that hump who are who want to make that first uh, make that first purchase? This might sound too harsh, but we've given this a lot of thought over the years. And, and generally, uh, people in that state are too comfortable. They have everything they need. They don't have enough fire or reason to go out of their comfort zone. And in Canada, it's very easy to get comfortable. It's very easy in Canada. And if you know, I have relatives who still live in, in Croatia, and they don't have jobs and they don't have good incomes. And uh, here, it's not too hard to make a decent income and be comfortable. And when you're comfortable, nothing's going to happen. I quit my job because I was pissed. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I, you want me to share it like that or not, but I was frustrated. <laughs> yeah. So I've learned over the years that you can leverage frustration and almost sheer anger to get stuff done. And you need to get to that state sometimes to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Otherwise, you'll just coast along and you'll talk about something for 10 or 20 years. So look for something to make you angry enough. And if it's maybe mapping out your financial future 20 years, scare yourself to the point that forces you to take action today. But uh, yeah, people are too comfortable generally, I think. I totally agree. And I think another thing a lot of people use, whether it's valid or not, is is the excuse of the market. And Mm -hmm. they're... Their uncle told them that the market is going to crash or their mom (laughs) said that, you know, don't buy real estate. It's a bad idea. Or the headline in the newspaper said, you know, the sky is going to fall. What's your take on the market just in general in terms of in terms of the GTA where your expertise is? Where do you see the real estate market today and where do you see the real estate market going? Like, what are you what are you watching in the market right now? I guess we try to break it out into levels. So at at a kind of a a big global level, um, interest rates are too low. It's it's causing asset prices to go uh, to 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 to, uh, to increase rather rapidly in some areas that they shouldn't be. However, in Toronto, we feel we're very fortunate that we have a population that has good average income levels, and we have an obscenely high population growth rate. And because we have people coming in here from all over the world, like when you visit yeah. my relatives in Croatia, it's all Croatians who live there. When you come to Toronto and you look around the room at any room, any restaurant, any shopper's drug, whatever store you're in, it's people from all over the world. We get about 105,000 new people into the greater Toronto area every year. That is a lot. Mm -hmm. That means if you and I have been here for five years uh, in Toronto, half a million more people have come here. That creates an obscenely high amount of demand for property. And so good, match good, relatively good income. We can argue all day long about the middle class and, you know, if there's good jobs, but good, relatively good right. income, population growth, and we're getting new highways, 407 extensions, go train stops going throughout the Toronto. We can all complain about the traffic and stuff, 
but we're getting some of that and it's creating all these wonderful opportunities for investors. So if I had to pick up a spot in North America right now to be a real estate investor, I think it's a very easy decision to be a Canadian, to be a proud, you know, I was born in Toronto to be proud of where I'm from and I get to invest and we, we do it around the golden horseshoe, but, yeah. but you know, this is a great, relatively speaking, great spot. We're less interested about timing any sort of market to get to the minutia of the market and more concerned with, are we going to buy a property that we can own for the next 10 years, no matter what happens to the market? You right. know, can we own this thing based on the numbers we're crunching? If the market goes up 50% or down 50% tomorrow, are we still happy with it? If the answer is yes, with population growth and income levels where they are, you know, let's get busy. Mm -hmm. so. And what makes you answer yes to that question? Is it just does the property cash flow or is there more to it? A little bit more because if we, um, what, so um, our, our father was flipping high-end real estate in the early 90, uh, 89, 90 period and got caught really badly on a, on a property that was $750,000 25 years ago. Wow. And it went down $300,000 in about four months in value, approximately. We're, we're guessing because we didn't sell it. We had to rent it out. And when we rented it out, we were losing money every month. So we realized that um, even if you get a high-end home, that can kind of ca uh, carry its own costs. Um, when times go ra rough, they, it might not be a good investment. So starter homes, like entry-level condos or entry-level starter homes. Right. In good times or bad times, people always need a place to live. Right. So if we can buy a starter home, it's always the most liquid and the most in-demand piece of the Canadian market. So it might be very boring, you know, but it's going to be easiest to survive yeah. with over long periods of time. So, you know, we, we look more at that category of property and then try crunching numbers on, you know, this condo in this area versus that condo and these condo fees versus those condo fees or this single family home versus that single family home and that kind of thing. Right. That's great. Um, what about interest rates? I know you talk a lot about mm -hmm. interest rates on your uh, <laughs> newsletters and videos, and it's a, it seems to be a big topic you're yeah. very uh, interested in. So, you know, what everybody will tell you is, is something to the effect of, well, when interest rates go up mm -hmm. next year or whenever it is, it's always next year, the, the whole market's going to crash, right? Cause yeah. Oh, just wait when they raise interest rates, yeah. you know, back to whatever levels mm -hmm. they think they should go back to, then the whole thing's going to fall apart. What mm -hmm. do you, what do you say about interest rates? I think um, that conversation comes from people who remember the late 70s, 1970s, and interest rates did go up and it crushed things back then. And then they kind of remember the early 90s and interest rates went up and it kind of crushed things back then. But I think you need to have these conversations in a context of where we are as a world right now. And governments of the world have too much debt if they were to raise rates. This is my humble opinion. If they were to raise rates, they wouldn't be able to afford afford the debt that they're carrying. So I don't understand how, so I'm trying to simplify a lot of stuff really quickly here, but mm -hmm. I don't understand how they're capable of raising rates with, without causing massive disruption to their economies. Um, so because of that, I don't think they're gonna raise rates. I don't think they're gonna raise rates in the short term. I don't think they're gonna raise them in the long term. We might get a quarter point move for sheer optics that it looks good, but any meaningful interest rate raise, I don't think it's gonna happen, but I need to prepare that it may happen so I buy good homes in good areas, nice starter homes that pay for themselves and let the, let the cards fall where they may. But uh, I, I, the person having that conversation is trying to time the market. And I, and I just think it's, it, it's not an effective conversation to have. Mm -hmm. um, you don't make money trying to, t I have one friend who's been telling me the market has been overpriced since 1998. 
So, you know, like <laughs> he's still waiting. 1998 right? was a great year <laughs> to buy. It was the best you year. Know what? 97 was okay. Yeah. 98 was but perfect. <laughs> Ever since then, it's just been horrible. horrible. Yeah. Forget it. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but I, I just think my personal opinion with no crystal ball magic is that I don't think they're going, if, if they're going up, they're not going up much and they're going to go up slow. Uh, but I don't think they're even going to go up at all. If anything, I think we should prepare for a world that they go down further. You know, and we've been saying that since 2010. So we yeah. really haven't changed our tune too much. Yeah, it's been, uh, that's what I tell people as well. Look, it's, everyone's saying it's going to happen, it's going to happen. It's been five five years already with interest rates basically unchanged. Uh, it could easily be another five years of the same thing. And if it is, then, you know, what are you doing today to take advantage it, of it, that? Exactly. We looked at the data going back, Bank of Canada from 1933 to 1952, I believe, held rates pretty much flat for 20 years. Right. <laughs> right? I don't know why no one brings yeah. us up. They yeah. held rates flat for 20 years. Yeah. So are we in five years in on a t another 20-year flat move, and are you positioning yourself to take advantage of that? Yeah. You know, I think I think yeah. the last framework of whatever economic collapse happened can't always determine what's going to happen on the next upcoming one. Mm -hmm. You need to have a bigger picture to, to have these conversations. But Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think low interest rates are here to stay for, for a very long time. Um, you know, and, and another thing I always tell people is, look, if interest rates go up, it's because the economy is doing better. Yeah, good uh, point. It's yeah. because yeah. people are, you know, more jobs are being created and incomes are rising. Uh, that's a good thing. And that, that means that, you know, your, your asset values are going to go up and your income is going to go up as well. So it's, I mean, the point is you're either going to get into the market or you're not like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you need to change the conversation. It's got to be more than about timing the market, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, Tom, is there, you know, you've been asked a lot of questions, probably about a lot of different people about real estate and investing every day. Is there a question that nobody has ever asked you about your business or about what you do or about investing in real estate, but that you wished that somebody would ask you or that more people would ask you? And what would that question be? Uh, I don't know. That's a good. That's a really good question. I don't know what the question would be. I think sometimes um, people who are get into real estate may be looking to make a quick buck by flipping a property or you know making some quick money. And I think if someone had asked me, how do you look at your properties or your business or your life? The the stuff that has served us best has always been offering long term value. So making long-term relationships with our tenants, making long-term decisions on the property, investing to fix up a property when maybe we didn't want to, but it was the right long-term thing for that property, right? And our business, uh, treating people like we wanted to be friends for the long-term has always been the best way to treat people. So I think when you think in, you know, for the long-term and you, with your properties, your life, your business, it always ends up serving you best. And I think um, many people don't don't think that way. They look for the quick buck. They have right. the bill they need to pay tomorrow and trying to make some quick money. Right. And that always seems to backfire. Whenever we've thought that way, it's backfired on us. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> you know, it's it's we've just kind of learned this: the, the long view, the long term thinking, always serves you best. So I'm not sure I'm answering That's what you great, what no. you're asking. Yeah, but. great, great, great advice. Great way to. Uh, to put it. Um, Tom, if you want to learn more about uh, Rockstar Real Estate or get in contact with you, what's the best way for people to do that? 
Sure. I guess just uh, two sites, rockstarbrokerage.com is, is maybe our main brokerage website and rockstarinnercircle.com is where we do a lot of fun blog posts and videos and kind of have a little bit more fun on that site. So rockstarbrokerage.com or rockstarinnercircle.com. Great. We'll, we'll definitely include a link to those in the show notes for the episode. Tom, thank you very much for your time today. Really appreciate it. And hopefully we can have you on again, again on the show soon. Awesome. Andrew, thank you so much. Okay, there you have it. That was my interview with Tom Karadza from Rockstar Real Estate. I hope you enjoyed that. It was great to sit down and chat with him. Just a very positive guy, very high energy guy, and and uh, really running a fantastic business, helping a lot of people out of their Oakville offices all across the Golden Horseshoe in uh, real estate investing. It was great to, to sit down with Tom and uh, to meet his brother Nick as well. So once again, for all the show notes on this episode... Uh, and to learn more about what they are doing there in Rockstar Real Estate and to even get a free copy of Tom and Nick's latest book, you can go over to truecondos.com forward slash rockstar and you can download a copy right away. Okay, thank you once again for listening to the show. Appreciate all your positive comments and reviews and feedback on the show. Um, Very very grateful for everyone's support for this podcast as we're coming up on the uh, one-year mark, or we're pretty much right at the one-year mark of doing this podcast. So thank you very much for sticking with me and supporting the show and sharing the episodes with uh, your family and friends. I really appreciate it. Until next week, I hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.